Jeremiah, the 36th chapter, Jeremiah 36, and we're going we're gonna to read it, but I'm going to let you sit down so you don't have to stand up through the whole time reading it, because it's, it's fairly lengthy this morning, uh, but our focus verse will be verse number uh, 24, Jeremiah 36, 24. Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. Amen. You may be seated today. Praise the Lord. The title of our, of our Sunday school lesson this morning is, is kind of um, oh, eye-opening. Let's just say, that, that, say it that way. The title is Unmoved by God's Word unmoved by God's word. The lesson focuses, I will heed and obey God's word. God expects us to heed and obey his word. Unmoved by God's word. What a sad place to be today if we were unmoved by his word. To give us context, I feel like we need to read Jeremiah, the 36th chapter, and like I said, it's it's fairly lengthy, but <clears throat> it's a story with a lot of different names and characters, and I promise you I'm going to get some of these names wrong. I had uh, my Bible app, and I'm trying to listen to how they actually pronounce them, and I'm going to destroy all that today. So, But just, just, just work with me today. And we're just going to start off with the first verse. And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Jos uh, Jos Josiah, king of Judah, that his word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all the nations from the day I spake unto thee. From the days of Josiah, even unto this day, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I propose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Neri, and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord, which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am shut up, I cannot go into the house of the Lord, therefore go thou and read the roll which thou hast written from my mouth, the words of the Lord, in the ears of the people in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of Judah that come out of the cities. It may be they will present their supplications before the Lord and will return every one from his evil way. For great is the anger and fury that the Lord hath pronounced against this people. Man, this is, this is starting off kind of uh, an awkward spot. The Lord's pretty upset with his children, the children of Israel. And he's sending them a message and he's wanting them to hear what he has to say. And he uses words like may and maybe and hopefully they will hear. Man, that's, that's, a, that's a unique thing from, from the mouth of Jeremiah. They may hear these words. I don't know if they're going to do it or not, but we've got to try. Wow. Verse 8, 
And Baruch, the son of Nerah, did according to all that Jeremiah, the prophet, commanded him, reading in the book the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. And it came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month that they proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem and to all the people that came from the cities of Judah unto, the, unto Jerusalem. Then read Baruch into in the, the book of the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Jeremiah, the son of Shephan, the scribe, in the higher court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house in the ears of the people. Skipping to uh, verse 15. And they said unto him, Sit down now and read it in our ears. So Baruch read it in their ears. Now it came to pass when they had heard all the words, they were afraid, both one and, uh, and other, and said unto Baruch, We will surely tell the king of these words. And they asked Baruch, saying, Tell us now, how didst thou write all these words at his mouth? Then Baruch answered them, He pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Then said the princes unto Baruch, Go hide thee, and thou and, Jer and Jeremiah, and let no man know where ye be. And they went into the king and to the court, but they laid up. But they laid the roll in the chamber of Elshamah the scribe and told all the words in the ears of the king. So the king sent Jehudiah to fetch the roll and took it out of Elshamah the scribe's chamber. And Jehudiah read it in the ears of the king, in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudiah had read three or four leaves, he cut it with a penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of the servants that heard all these words. Amen. So here we find there are several men that when Baruch read the words, they were convicted in their heart. They were afraid. They knew they had to do something. So they went to the king, and the king cut it all up and burned it. He said, I don't want to hear that. Wow. Wow. My. So I, I tried to summarize all that, and we're going to kind of dive into it more. Basically, Jeremiah hears from God. Baruch writes it down and reads it, and the king rejects it. Wow. Wow. What a, what, a, what a unique place to be, to hear the word of God and say, I don't want any part of that. I just burn it in fire. Wow. Wow. Interesting. The lesson connection this morning says, over 100 years ago, William Ramsey, a young English scholar, went to Asia Minor with the express purpose of providing that history given by Luke in the gospel in, and in the Acts was inaccurate. Ramsey professor, Ramsey's professor had confidently said Luke could not be correct. Ramsey began to dig into ancient ruins of Greece and Asia Minor, 
testing the ancient terms, boundaries, and other items that would be a dead giveaway. If a writer had been inventing this history at a later date as claimed, to his amazement, Ramsey found that the New Testament scriptures were accurate to the tiniest detail. So convincing was the evidence that Ramsey himself began to become a Christian and a great biblical scholar. We still look upon Sir William Ramsey's books as being a classic as far as the history of the New Testament is concerned. God told Jeremiah to write his words in a scroll. This incident reinforces the biblical witness to the inspiration of Scripture. When we think of this subject, one of the first texts that comes that usually comes to mind is 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. By inspiration of God literally means God breathed. These words are the breath of God. Amen. This is a key text establishing the authority of Scripture. For this reason, it is included in the preamble of the Articles of Faith of the United Pentecostal Church. Pretty important stuff. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and is profitable for reproof and is profitable for correction and is profitable for instruction in righteousness every scripture there's no mistake is profitable for you amen the bible is the only god-given authority humanity possesses therefore all doctrine faith hope and instruction for the church must be based upon and harmonized with the bible we're doing something that is contrary to this word we're doing the wrong thing. We're headed down the wrong road. It should be aligned and in harmony with the word of God. If it's not, why are we even doing it? Amen. The Bible is to be read and studied by all people everywhere and can only be clearly understood by those who are anointed by the Holy Spirit. Second Peter 120 says, no prophecy of scripture is of any, private in, uh, of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in no time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That is a very important component of that scripture. Holy men of God moved by the Holy Ghost, Jesus in them, living inside of their heart, were moved, and that's where we get the words that we get today. That's why there's a great, there's a lot of great leaders, and there's a lot of great speakers, and I'm, I'm not knocking any of them, but if you really wanted to get down to truth, you listen to Holy Ghost-filled people speaking in your life. Amen. You have to be very, very careful when, you, when you're listening to people that are not Holy Ghost-filled people, amen, they may be leading you astray and you not, not even know it. Amen. Amen. Jehoiakim was the second son of Josiah who led Judah to repentance upon the discovery of the book of the law in the house of the Lord. 
Under Josiah's leadership, the people had committed unanimously to keep the Lord's commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of their hearts and their soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in his book. That's 2 Kings 23 and 3. Josiah's spiritual guidance was so remarkable that the scripture records, and like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all their heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. But upon Josiah's death, the people of Judah made Josiah's son, Jehoiakim, king in his place. This was a big mistake. I've done some underlining in our lesson today, and you see this throughout Scripture several times. What a shame it is for a man to understand and, and be such a great king and literally turn a nation back to the right way and repent and get things right and lose their own children. You, you have to sit there and question in your mind, where was the miss? What did we do wrong? Where did we go in error? No one plans that. No one starts off saying, hey, I'm going to live for God and forget my kids. It didn't work like that. It didn't start that way. Everyone wants to see their children saved, and we try our best. But somewhere along the way, there was something, uh, an offset. I'll say this. It's, it's upon every person to live for God. I, I can't make my children live for God. No more than you can. I, I would like to, but we can't make that happen. But we do need to analyze and say, where did we mess up or where did they mess up and how do we help get this thing back on the right track? Jehoahaz began his rule when he was 23 years old and he reigned only three months. In three months, reversing his father's decisions. Three months. Wow. Don't take long, does it? Don't take long. Jehoahaz did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his fathers had done. Wow. Evil against all that his father, everything his father did, he did the opposite thing. Wow. Man, that, that's, that's mind-boggling. Pharaoh Necho captured Jehoahaz, put him in prison, and then imposed a tax of 100 talents of silver and a talent of gold on the people. It, it just got really bad at that time. Wow. It's, it's, it's kind of like backsliding. It's kind of like losing trust. It just don't take long to lose it. It don't take me telling many lies before I don't have trust with you. It just don't take long. I can be credible and honorable and and you can trust me, and we can have a relationship for, for years upon end. And with a matter of a few words, I can destroy it all in just a short amount of time. Wow. Living for God or not living for God is, is very similar. You can be in the way, as we used to say, for 40 years. And 40 years in one hour, you can destroy it. Man, 
But 40 hours, 40 years, one hour, one minute, you can repent and get it back right, too. Amen. Mm. Jehoiakim came on the scene after his brother was in prison. He was installed as a vassal king of Pharaoh Necho. It is regrettable that Jehoiakim had apparently learned nothing from his father's godliness or his brother's ungodliness. You know, it's one thing to see people and say, you know, they do good and they live for God, but I'm not going to do that. But to see both spectrums and still not learn, wow, what a terrible place to be. Had Jehoiakim followed the example of his father rather than his brother, his fate would no doubt have been quite different. And fate is a, is a funny, funny word. Uh, there, there's some things in life that you can't control, but where you spend eternity, you can control. Fate don't have anything to do with it. You can control it. How you live, how you act, the things that you apply to your life, you can control that. What you choose to do and, and partake of, you get to control that. Mm. It's our choice. Mm. During the fourth year of Jehoiakim's 11-year reign over Judah, Jeremiah heard from the Lord. The instructions were specific. Jeremiah was to write in a scroll everything the Lord had said to him against Israel. The project's purpose was to bring Judah to a place of repentance. It was a warning. The Lord said, it may be. And I say again, that's unique, that's unique verbiage. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the adversities which I propose to bring upon them, that everyone may turn from their evil way, that I may Forgive their iniquity and their sins. I hope, I hope, I hope. If they would do this, I'll forgive them. But I don't know if they're going to do it or not. Mm. 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 How many times does the word go forth with the hope that someone repents? How many ministers have stood behind this sacred desk and, and proclaimed the word of the Lord with a may? Oh, I hope today I can reach someone. I don't know if I can, and I, know, I don't know if they'll respond, but well, I sure hope today's the day that they respond. What a wait. I don't know if anyone thinks about that very much, but... That's a pretty big weight for a man to tote. Man, I hope today I can say something. Because I know they need to repent. I know they went awry. I know they've, they've, they're in error. And I'm hoping that I might say the right word. Us as humans, we want to go and do something. We want to put our hands on it. We want to correct it. But really all we have is the word, is our words. We have to direct someone's life and help them with their life through our communication, our words. Mm. I want to hear his word, and I want to apply it. I want to listen. Amen. When we open the scriptures, we soon discover that they call not only to be read, 
but to be obeyed. This is seen in the first section of the Old Testament referred to the law and is also in the last book of the New Testament in Revelations. It is also, of course, emphasized throughout the entire Bible. Notice, for instance, the connection between loving God and keeping his commandments. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Verse 11, Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Here's the commandments and here's the statutes and here's all the judgments that I'm telling you to do and I want you to understand you got to do them. They're not just something to say, but they're something to do. Amen. Amen. Some of the first words of Revelation declare the necessity not only of the reading and hearing, but also of obeying the written scripture. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. It's unique today we live in a society that very few people know the word of God. There's a lot of things that people know. And there's a lot of statistics and facts and things of interest that they are interested in. You could just ask them. They're going to know. We live in the technology age. If you want to know something, man, whoop your phone out, Google it, and there it is. And I find myself doing that a lot. I, I like to know things, and if there's something, I have a question where I used to would ask someone else. I don't have to ask. I just, there it is. And I got five options of what I believe or whatever I want to ask myself about. It's right there. You can ask Siri, and if I said that, it'd probably go off here in just a minute. And, and she'll give you options of letting you know whatever. It's amazing to me the people today that know all about people that play some sort of sport. Man, they know, they, they know it, how long they can throw or how far they can hit. They know when they started. They know how long they played. They know every team they played for. They know everything in the world about them. But you ask them about the Bible, I don't really know much about that. I ain't ever had time to get into it. Man, what a waste of time. It's all about what our interests are, though, right? If we're interested in something, we will find it out. And if we're not interested, we won't. We won't. It's, it's kind of like our, our, it's very similar to our text today we find the word of the lord going forth and it's there and it's there to be heard and read and understood and i'm not interested i'll just burn it in fire i'm too busy to know about that i got too much going on amen the princess questioned baruch about the origin of this scroll that jeremiah had had dictated for him to write after he explained how he wrote down Jeremiah's word, the princess said, Go and hide thee, thou and Jeremiah, and let no man know where you be. Then the princess hid the scroll and told the king what they heard. 
Jehoiakim wanted to hear this for himself, so he sent Jehoiada to read the scroll to him. And as Jehoiada read the, to the king and the princes, a fire burned in the hearth in the room, and Jehoiada read, he would read three or four columns, so it was written, and as he would read the first or second one, he would just cut that piece off. And he was keeping on reading while he was cutting it off. How bold do you have to be? As I was reading this, y'all may have heard me tell this story, but it was prompted to my mind. We had a man that used to go to church here years ago, and he worked in a Bible factory. It was a, it was a family-run Bible factory. And it had the whole thing it printed and stamped and sewed it up and put the the, the cover on it and all the way through the process. But it was a small factory, and he was working in it, and the, it was an owner-operator kind of thing. And the, the, the cover piece of the process was off, and the cover was coming off all crooked. And he was out there trying to fix it, and he was taking the Bibles that was all crooked, the cover, and he was just throwing them over in the trash can. Just thinking about it as a job. And the owner come running out there and dug all of them Bibles out of the trash can and said, think about what you're doing. This is the word of God. It was a, it's a unique story, and it reminds us of literally this is God's word. This is what we know, and we get to study about our God. The one that has the ability to save me, this is how I get to know more about him. The one that I say that I love, this is how I get to know more about him. The one that I should want to spend time with, this is how I get to know the intimate details about him. I watch as my children have these newfound girlfriends and all the time that they're wanting to spend. I, me and Granddad were talking a little bit about that yesterday. Every moment of the day, they're wanting to spend time together, and I get it. Do I take that same approach to my love of my life? I want to spend more time with you, Lord. I want to know more about you. I want to know more intimate details I want to understand. I want to make sure that I'm looking right for you. And I'm talking the way you would want me to talk. And I'm acting the way you would want me to act. And I want to polish it up, Lord, because I want to make sure I'm presentable to you. Mm. It's a challenge to my heart today. Is Man, I don't want to take that word for granted. So powerful. So powerful. The anointed word of God. Mm. It did no good for Jehoiakim to burn the scroll containing God's word. The word of God cannot be destroyed. The word simply came to Jeremiah again instructing him to take another scroll and to write it in everything that had been in the first scroll together with many additional words. Jehoiakim is an example of those who wish to control what they hear from God. He is also an example of the futility of trying to do so. 
God's word is the authority, authoritative, even for those who refuse to read it or hear it. It is authoritative even if you don't read it or hear it. Don't change it. You can shut your ears up and say, I don't want to hear it. It don't matter. Don't change it. It's still authority. It's still the truth. It's still the basis. You can hear it and twist it all up. It still don't change it. It does not change it. Amen. The word of God cuts across the grain of human, human, humanistic philosophy. It is offensive to those opposed to God's purpose in their lives. I've been offended by the word before. Maybe I'm the only one. Whew. It's made me plumb angry before. Just aggravated. I didn't want to hear that. I don't want to do that because my humanity had its own ideas and it cuts and it hurts, but it's trying to get rid of some things I didn't need to start out with. Mm. Paul described these people as those who will no longer listen to the sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. As a consequence of turning from truth, they turn to fables. Mm. Sometimes that word can hurt. Sometimes it can heal. It's unique, the power of the word. Not many things that I can think of can cut to that level and heal to that level. But the word can. Amen. I don't want to listen to a bunch of gobbledygook. Today we find a, a society of people that don't like to hear the truth. They would rather hear gobbledygook, if you will. We, we, are, we are offended at every hand. Everywhere you turn, something's offending somebody. Mm. Lord, help us to know truth. Help us to stand on your word. Help me to not fall prey to society and have a reason to get upset and offended at everything. Oh, hallelujah. I want to live the word today. I was getting to visit Friday afternoon. A, a guy stopped by my office, and he, he came to devotion with us on Wednesday. First time I've ever seen him at our devotion. We have Wednesday devotion at work, and he came in, and he was listening, and he said something kind of contrary to what I said, but I let it go. It wasn't, it wasn't that off scripture. It was just a thought process, and he come to apologize and said, man, I, I just want to apologize because I didn't want to be at odds with you. I said, look, I want the truth, man. If I'm wrong, you tell me I'm wrong. But, but I just want the same courtesy back. He said, okay. I said, well, okay. If I'm wrong, somebody please let me know. Please let me know. 
Amen. I was trying to tell him there's some things I seen that was wrong. I'm going to let him know about it. <laughs> but, Lord, I don't want to be wrong. I want to be right. We got one shot at this gig. One chance around. Oh, Lord, I want to be right. Whether I want to hear it or not, uh, whether I like it or not, whether it fits into my agenda or not, it don't matter. I've got to be right. I've got to know and be right today. Amen. Society is saturated with secular influences at odds with Scripture. Abuses of social media, the 24-hour news cycle, and divisive conspiracy theories all serve to distract us from the inspired word. Remember Jehoiakim, his rejection of God's word was disastrous for him. Instead, let us today prioritize above all God's word. Man, at the distractions that we have today. There are so many things that would love to distract us from the intended goal. Voices and pictures and ideas and thoughts and media everywhere. It would love to distract us from the goal. Maybe I'm talking too much about work today, but it's kind of fit into this same thought process. We're on an effort today at work to identify and eliminate distractions that could get us hurt. We go out through our shop and we look for things that could distract us so we not focused on the task that could get us hurt. I thought about that this morning. I, I wonder what would happen if I went on the same hunt in my life. If I went on the, the hunt to identify and eliminate the distractions that keep me from reading more of his word, what would the list be? I want to identify and eliminate the distractions that keep me from praying the, the amount of time that I need to pray. I want to identify and eliminate distractions from the things that keep me from acting the way I should act or saying the things I should say or, or not doing certain things or doing certain... What would it look like today if we went on that hunt and said, I'm, I'm going to identify these things. And not only I'm going to identify them, but I'm going to get rid of them. I'm just not going to have them anymore. The Bible says it kind of like this. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset us. Or, say it in my terminology, distract us. The things that so easily knock us off course. Get rid of them things. Do we really need them? Is it a necessity? I'm preaching to me this morning. Oh, hallelujah. I've got to be one with him. I want to be in harmony with the Lord today. I, I seek for oneness with him. Amen. We, we proclaim ourselves. I proclaim myself as a oneness. But I want to be in oneness with him. Amen. I don't, I don't want to be opposed to him and divided in multiple different things and act a certain way on Sunday and do certain other things on Tuesday and 
That's not in harmony and oneness with the Lord. Oh, but God, I want to walk with you. Uh, Every day I want to get closer to you. Uh, I want to be more like you. I want to know more about you. I want to be in oneness with you. Lord, I don't want to ever find myself unmoved by your word. But Lord, let it cut it clean and... Lord, start me over every day if you have to. That's okay with me. I must be right today. Praise the Lord. Can we just stand this morning? Oh, and just magnify the Lord. Hallelujah.